You're listening to the City Network Podcast. Our mission is to grow and multiply healthy churches in the Treasure Valley and beyond. Head to thecitynetwork.org for more info on our initiatives to catalyze church transformation and church planting. Here's today's podcast. All right, welcome back to our second season of the City Network podcast. This is Robert Frazier, and I'm with my co-host, Josh Branham. Hey, what's Josh, up, everyone? <laughs> uh, yeah, we are jumping into the second season, and we're excited about where the conversations are going to take us. City Network is a multiplying network that's really built around multiplying healthy churches and, and helping build um leadership structures that will lead towards planting new churches. We have a vision for planting 200 churches across Southwest Idaho and beyond. So thanks for joining us in this, in this process as we're learning together what it means to be the people of God and do what he's called us to. So this is good to be together today. Um, we've got a couple of guests with us from Portland who have deep connections here in the Treasure Valley, which uh, is, a, is a fun way to connect uh, through our shared history here in the Valley got Russell Klum and Jake Nagy, and we're excited to have you guys with us today. Welcome. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Um, so we we also, as the City Network, if you want any information about what's going on with our gatherings, go to thecnetwork.org. That's where our website is and has all the information about who we are, what we do, how to connect. We've got events coming up at the end of September, and then our City Network conference, which I'm uh, going to be leading and helping put together with Josh Branham. Uh, that's happening in March, the second weekend of March. So put that on your calendar. There'll be more information coming out about that. But today it's a conversation with Russell and Jake. So take it away, Josh. Yeah, let's start off uh, just with Russell. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you were in Boise years ago and, and made that switch. Just tell us a little bit about what brought you to Portland and church planting. Yeah, you bet. No, I, I grew up in Eastern Washington and never planned on moving to Boise, but landed there for almost a decade, did my undergraduate studies there, got connected to a church plant, actually came on um, staff with that church as a church planting intern, and the internship turned into a nine-year ministry, where for me, I just got to see the inside of the stage and development of a new church start that I don't think I would have gotten to see otherwise, um, but kind of how that works out when you're the church plant intern, uh, basically you get assigned all the tasks that nobody else wants to do. And so uh, my trial by fire was just doing things I'd never done before. The very first thing that happened was within a month of starting that role, our children's minister was deported and I was handed a children's ministry of about 200 kids and all their families and had no idea. Did you say deported? Yeah, 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 she was deported. She, she was a New Zealand national and overstayed her visa, uh, okay. academic visa, and kept getting extensions and then couldn't couldn't get it extended without leaving the country. Um, and wow. tragically, she was never allowed to come back. Like they, because she never overstayed. Yeah, yeah. She overstayed and didn't qualify again to come back. Wow. Um, but like, trial by fire, like I remember literally she sat me down and said, do not mess up anything. I'll be back. And she could never come back. Uh, so that was just like, that was the beginning like, of the whole thing where you just had to get your hands in and figure out how to love people in a, in a place and in a kind of structure that wasn't something you were used to. Uh, and that just kind of grew. Like my wife and I both just always had it in our minds that we wanted to be part of seeing new churches start somewhere in the Northwest. We both grew up here. 
And we didn't know what that would look like. Um, we'll get into uh, probably in a little bit how we made it to Portland. Um, but that was, you know, really for me, the beginning of shaping that we can train people. Um, we can equip them in the Petri dish of a young church, how to um, go on mission, leaving maybe something that's safe and secure and start something that is um, in a place where maybe there's a need. Awesome. And then Jake, tell us a little bit about you. You're not from, uh, from the Portland area and uh, yeah. What brought you to Portland and, and Kynos church and the dream and the vision around that? Yeah, man. Um, I'm actually, I was born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky. So yeah, quite a ways away from Idaho, from the Northwest. Um, but my wife is from the same uh, town as Russell in Eastern Washington. And um, so the first time that uh, we connected with Russell, actually, it's, it's kind of a funny story, but it was a friend of, of mine from Louisville connected us with Russell. And then about 30 minutes into our conversation with him, uh, my wife and I were living in Los Angeles at the time. We were connecting and, and realized that they were from the same, the same town, Pasco, Washington. Um, so it was really cool getting to, to know Russell and, uh, and connect with, with him and hear about what Church of the City was doing in Portland. Um, we were yeah, living in California. We had attended Biola University and um, then had started working for the college afterwards. We're living in Southern California, um, but we really had uh, a passion to, uh, yeah, see churches planted in the Northwest and, um, you know, my wife's experience there. And actually a lot of my, my friends and my peers from Southern California, a lot of them were from the, the Northwest area, from Washington, from Oregon and uh, Idaho and um, just hearing some of the stories about what the, the culture was like in those places, their experience with church was really very different from my own coming from Kentucky. And um, so, yeah, something that we just started thinking about, but we, we were really young. We knew that we needed uh, mentorship. We needed just time and experience. And we wanted to do that with the right people. And uh, so that's when we got connected with Russell and um, yeah, just got really excited about what it could look like to, to learn from them. So we've been in Portland now for, for three years, um, did a church planting residency uh, with uh, Russell and Church of the City. And uh, now we are on the path to planting a new church, Kynos Church on the east side of Portland. Um, I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about that, but it's been, been a fun ride so far. That's awesome. Hey, one of the things I hear about, you know, uh, specifically church planters, but really just anyone who moves to the Northwest, a lot of people move in uh, to this part of the country is just, you know, parts of the culture. They said, I just, you know, there are parts of living in the Midwest or wherever they, you know, they come from that something just didn't sit right. And I just, I feel at home here. Have you experienced any of that? Or what are, what are the aspects of, you know, the culture in the Northwest that you really resonate with? Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, I can totally relate to that. And I think that that is one of the most common experiences that I hear from neighbors, from friends who have moved here. My wife and I, we also worked with a ministry called Apartment Life for our first two years in Portland. Um, and that gave us a really cool opportunity to love our actual neighbors, the people that lived in our, our complex. Um, and a lot of them were moving from the Midwest, from the South. And a lot of times um, we would hear that they were kind of trying to 
leave some piece of what they had known, whether that was uh, a job or family or uh, religion, faith of some kind. And they were kind of coming in some ways to just get a new start. And it's kind of funny that actually um, kind of helped shape and form um, our church, actually, in a lot of ways. Even the name of our church, Kainos, it's the Greek word um, for new or fresh. Uh, and we really just kind of, we, we've resonated with people who are looking for something new or, or fresh in the Northwest, and particularly in a place like Portland. And, you know, I think about, uh, I think about the, the area of Idaho that you guys are in and the, the, um, the part of the kingdom that you really love. Uh, there's a whole lot of people that are moving there right now. So, I mean, when you think about what people are looking for, when they move, you know, a, a significant distance, I think people are often looking for something that is new and different than what they've previously experienced. And I think that's an awesome, awesome opportunity to connect with people and um, help them figure out what they're looking for and uh, introduce Jesus. That's awesome. Hey, Russell, could you bring us to that point? You're, you planted a, a church in Boise. What was that calling like for you away from that church to Portland? And then bring us to the place where this, this whole residency, you know, still, you know, after planting one church, still thinking, I think church planting is a, wor a worthy thing to, to put energy and resources and, and to help others do it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think for me, like spending time uh, in the Treasure Valley, in the church there, it was so formational. Um, and my wife and I never thought we'd leave. We were, we loved the place. Um, in our minds, it was home. Uh, and to think about not planting there happened actually something at the beginning stages of the city network. Uh, at the time, a good friend of mine, uh, Brent Angelos, uh, one of the pastors at Revolution 22, um, they were moving forward at, at planting that church. And um, at the same time, there were like four or five other church starts happening um, simultaneously, not just in the core of the city, but kind of at the periphery. Rock Harbor is beginning to, to percolate a bit. And um, for for us, it was like God saying, um, as we prayed and fasted, both my wife and I were coming to similar uh, understanding that he had things covered in the Treasure Valley, that our, our ambition, our heart could have definitely been like focused there and planting there. Um, basically over the course of about six months, we had the opportunity to be a part of or start six different churches in the Treasure Valley and then one in Twin Falls. And we prayed and fasted over all of them and none of them, none of them were it. It was, it felt very clear that God had something else in mind for what was going on in those places. And I'm unbelievably grateful for all of the people who have sacrificially and lovingly planted there in the Boise Metro. Um, it just wasn't a fit for us for whatever reason. And so as we started praying, fasting about other places, it landed on us that Portland um, was really where um, things made sense. And I'll spare the de details of that story other than um, my wife grew up here in the Portland Metro and being a part of her family and from her world, um, something redemptive in her family was really important for us uh, and important for her. And that's what really pulled us towards the city of Portland. Um, so we landed here 2013. We spent a whole year here um, just trying to figure out which way it was up because we knew, we knew enough that we could be dangerous in a city like Portland, but we didn't know enough to actually plant well in Portland. Uh, and so like the transfer from, from Boise to Portland or from Eastern Washington to Portland, we just needed time to listen to our neighbors, to listen to God and kind of figure out 
what things look like. Uh, and that slow roll, that, that year of being citizens before we started planting a church um, actually goes into how we shape our residency concept and how we're planting churches now. Um, so we're a six-year-old church. Uh, we just passed our sixth birthday. Um, we're a church in downtown Portland. Um, our name is not like the sexiest name for churches in the world, but we feel like it really embodies who we are, uh, that we are a church of the city of Portland. Uh, and we are, we're made up of a really wild group of people um, that kind of fit all cross sections of the central neighborhoods of the city. At the same time that we planted uh, Church of the City, there were seven other church plants being planted in the core of Portland. So it was kind of wild leaving Boise where there was kind of a groundswell of planting to arrive in Portland where there is also one, but things like, um, like the neighborhood we planted in is between two and 3% Christian with a margin of error of 3%, which if you do the math feels like, yeah, sometimes that's below zero. Uh, and other days it kind of feels like, yeah, maybe 6% of the people here understand they're deeply loved by God. And the rest are just, you know, unaware or um, completely uninterested uh, in whatever is going on with God in the world. And so those other church starts happening at the same time was really encouraging. Um, but now, you know, on now, six, seven years later, um, each and every one of those one by one has, has gone away. Uh, and a huge amount of pain uh, every time one of those church starts decided that that was a, the right time for them to move on, um, to close their doors, to fold shop, whatever. Um, and a big piece of it had to do with majority of people who were planting, like myself and like my wife, moved to Portland. And like you're asking that question, Josh, what people love about a place like Portland when they come. Um, it's also the double-edged sword of there's a lot that we just don't understand about a place when we come. And so we start doing things, activities in church start land that don't make any sense. Um, and we don't understand why they don't function, why they, why they just don't make sense for the people that we really care about. Um, and eventually you run out of money, you run out of energy, um, and people, people hold and, and take off. And so for us, like just being citizens for that year shaped, um, now the, and all the pain of those church starts and those friends um, moving on in life uh, shaped the fact that we felt like we were in a position and need to be able to offer something like embedding somebody into the petri dish of our really messy young church start to help them do what a church in Boise did for me uh, to give them space to grow and figure it out. Yeah. So real quick, could you give us for someone who has never heard of residency other than like a doctor you know yeah. in the context of church planting what would be your just simple definition of a church planting residency yeah what well, kind of already said it in my mind and it's not a well-honed one josh but for me the definition is we've got to embed people in the petri dish um, in the space where they're going to get their hands really messy behind behind the facade of sunday mornings behind the things that look pretty and help them understand what it looks like to be with people in a place for a long period of time as they listen to God about what God's pulling out of their heart. So it'd be something like that. Yeah. So Jake, could you tell me like, there's probably people listening to this who have felt the call to plant a church. Maybe they already have, um, maybe they're considering it, praying through it was, you know, this idea of, you know, going and planting a church, you felt the calling, you and your wife felt the calling to, uh, to Portland, to, you know, to the Northwest. 
but were you looking for, you know, could I go and be a resident at a church or how did that, how did that come about with, with you and Russell and Emily? Yeah. Yeah, man. It, I think it really came in waves for us and, you know, I've, I've never had a moment where I felt like, you know, I, I heard God's voice uh, like booming down towards me. Um, I've just had moments and my wife has had moments where kind of um, in our, the deepest parts of our hearts, we felt a, a nudge, a whisper, and those two things have kind of come together. And so, you know, for us, it, it was really a, an interesting journey to, to kind of get there. My relationship with Jesus and kind of uh, call to ministry began. I, I was um, living in Ghana in West Africa during my, my junior year of high school, actually. And that's a long story for another time, but that, that kind of, uh, kind of gave me a passion for missions really. And so when I went to college, I was thinking of going overseas and, um, you know, doing mission work, quote unquote, uh, on the other side of the pond somewhere. My wife was thinking she was going to go to college and then go back to Eastern Washington. And I think it was really cool just watching kind of what we saw each of us were thinking with our lives, watching those things kind of merge and form and, and come together. And, you know, for those who feel like a really strong call towards church planting, um, I think there's, there's kind of maybe one uh, path or emotions or set of things that people feel. And then maybe for other people, they just know, man, I, I want to, I want people to know they're loved by Jesus who, uh, who don't know that right now. And that was kind of, uh, my experience and our experience. And so we just kind of started looking and listening. And, you know, again, my wife is from up here. Um, we had a lot of friends that were from this area. And, and as Russell mentioned, you know, uh, it's somewhere between zero and, and 6% of people uh, in Portland that, that don't know that they're deeply loved by God. And, um, you know, I, I had kind of felt this pull uh, to, to love people who um, felt that they were far from God. And I, I was spending time in West Africa and thinking, man, everybody actually in Ghana in some way, shape or form, they're having spiritual conversations every day. Um, it is not taboo at all to talk about God with a stranger that you just met two minutes ago over lunch. Um, where in the Northwest, a lot of times it takes uh, not just hours or days, but weeks and months and maybe years to develop a relationship with someone before they're uh, comfortable and willing to uh, have a, a conversation about faith, about Jesus. And so just recognizing that and the more time that we kind of started to spend in the Northwest, just visiting, we recognized that we really needed to slow down, uh, to learn, to learn by reading, but also to learn by doing. And so when we connected with, with Russell, um, we just felt like it would be the perfect opportunity to do that. And there are obviously hurdles and challenges like where are we going to live and what are we going to do for, for work to, to be able to sustain ourselves? Uh, I think I've, I was just counting uh, this morning. I think I worked five different part-time jobs while doing our, our church planning residency. Um, so there's, you know, some pieces of that trying to just to be creative, to make it work, but we really felt like it would be the type of thing that would help us, um, as Russell mentioned, not just hit the ground, parachute in, and then try to save save the city in one one moment, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm always intrigued by residency because it 
it requires the church that's taking on the resident to invest in somebody where they don't get to see and participate in the fruit. And so many existing churches are like, they're more, they're more internally focused on, we need to gather people to make sure that our ministry happens. So residency costs you something, Russell. And then on your side, Jake, so many residents, so many people who are ready to church plant are just ready to go and they don't need anybody. And, you know, they, they figure they've got in them everything that they need, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Bible, and they're just ready to go, you know, storm hell with a squirt gun sort of thing. So like both of you kind of had to give up your own ambitions to enter into this relationship. I'd love to hear from you. Like where, where were those pain points of getting people on board for you, Russell, to invest the time and the energy in, into Jake? And then Jake, from your point, like slowing down, because most people are like, I need to plant now or I'm never going to plant. And they, they don't plant because they, they have to do it right that moment. So love to hear from both of you. Maybe start with Russell. Yeah, I think you're spot on, Bobby. There's a lot of ego that goes into church leadership as a whole. And I think even more that goes into the bright-eyed and wild-haired people who decide to go try to plant a church. There's, you, you have to believe something about yourself in the world um, that may or may not be true. And I think some of the work of God through all of that is undoing that belief system about ourselves, that we are God's gift to any place or anybody. God is God's, God's gift to any place or anybody. And we get to be part of what God's up to. So I think for me, like, yeah, there's definitely a, a huge sacrifice of ego, which is great. It's just hugely painful uh, when you're not uh, directly benefiting in the ways that we typically would think like church leadership would help you benefit as far as like your church becoming more influential or seeing more people come to know who Jesus is or growing in size. I think like we're learning the most, I think, in the residency world from the churches with the most resources, which tend to be large churches. Um, and the mega church world is doing lots of residencies, but typically the outcome is to train staff for their own church or a church like theirs. Um, we, we, took a, we took what we best we could from that world and adopted it into the church plant world. But here's a, a key difference. Something like Jake said, he's had five different jobs in the two and a half years he was hanging out with us. And that's because we couldn't afford to pay him full time to be a resident at Church of the City. So we had to figure out a different funding model. So we have you know, three different streams of funding to keep a person like Jake and his wife, Madison, embedded in the city of Portland long enough that they can start contextualizing, figuring things out. Um, but on, on my end, like there's a, you know, this old story of Gene Apple when he was in Las Vegas and they were planting their second church uh, at the time. And they invited um, a young, very talented preacher to come lead that church start. And Gene tells the story that he was, you know, the first time that young guy got up to preach, Gene was behind the scenes, behind the curtains. And he started crying because he looked out an audience of like a thousand people and realized that within six months, he wouldn't have a church because that guy was so good at what he did. And Gene was just like confessing like his ego and his pride were in the way. And he was scared. He was terrified that the people and the influence and everything they were up to was just going to just dissipate. And he got some counsel through the whole thing from some wiser, um, more stable people, fortunately. And in the end, two churches emerged um, and the church he was leading was larger and more influential than before they started planting. There's a lot of reasons for that, but uh, yeah, that's scary. It's scary to think about losing people and money. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, 
I think it um, it's cool to hear even from Russell's you know perspective, like how you come to do this thing that's been so influential for for my wife and I because you know I, I think one piece for us you know making the sacrifices or whatever to to do this um, part of it is that we're young and um, you know I think it takes creativity uh, to to live in an urban place, to live in a city, um, you know, cost of living is not going down in any city in America, specifically not the Northwest. And so I think we had to, a few things, we had to kind of remove the idea of ministry being a pathway to kind of a, a cushy, easy life where just it's one stream of income and, and we're all set. Like we just kind of had to toss that out pretty quickly. Um, and, and I try to just think a lot about a lot of my friends. I have friends who, you know, are doing mission work in a lot of uh, countries overseas and a lot of developing countries. And it just requires a lot of creativity. They work five different part-time jobs. They have to get creative to um, support raise, to um, make money in country, and then to use those uh, jobs to use those kind of circles of influence to create relationships with people, to get into the city where actual people are. And I think trying to shift our mindset from, ah, I'm going to have to work a few different part-time jobs to, so, to make this residency work, trying to shift that mindset towards uh, what if I'm doing some of this work so that I'm actually with real people, to connect with real people, to get to know them, to hear their stories. And I think about apartment life and um, just some of the exposure that gave us to connecting with people, man, I, I, I really can't imagine doing this residency without some of those experiences too. Um, so I think just trying to shift, shift our, our mindset a little bit away from ministry being just a path to, uh, you know, uh, a cushy American life towards like, okay, this is going to require, uh, some creativity and thinking outside of the box. But when you do that, I think it opens up avenues for ministry that you wouldn't have if it was just, well, you can meet me here at church on Sunday. Um, I think that shift has been a blessing to us too. Yeah. Can I just like jump on one thing that I think Jake said that's hugely important and to your question, Bob, I think the most painful parts of this kind of thing of like discipling training people comes in the areas where we actually, uh, we don't care as much. And here's what I mean by that. Leonard Sweet talks about the relationship in the vineyard between the trellis and the vine. And the a vine, the grapevine needs something to hang on in order to bear fruit. And like, if we're thinking about the way of Jesus, kingdom principles, it's all about fruit, right? It's all about people. It's about the life that people have, they find in Christ, the goodness they find as they give to other people, the way that their world starts to make more sense to them as they love and are loved by the people around them. But what we're talking about here, the, the parts of pain in church leadership circles, they almost exclusively are relegated to the trellis, to the structures that we're trying to build to hold that vine up. And so I think like we can talk about how painful it is, but the reality is like what Jake, you're talking about, I watch you and the way that you move through the world and the way that you and Madison um, experience relationships because of the need to go have five jobs and to be scrappier and to be more invested in your neighbors, taking on this you know, kind of strange place of a community coordinator for an apartment complex. I think those kind of painful pieces in all of this 
are areas where we've seen the most fruit, where you see actually God show up in kingdom, ev- evidence of the kingdom starting to emerge. Yeah, that's I mean, awesome. that's, that's the risk of every single church staff member is that the life of the church and the work becomes so uh, just all encompassing, you know, like every relationship you have is within the church. And then all of a sudden you go to plant and you don't have all those missional conversations happening. You haven't been doing evangelism. You haven't been living out in the community and pursuing a, a bivocational scrappy residency is, I mean, like hearing your story, Jake, as a, as somebody who supports church planters, I'd be happy to support you because I know that you've got grit. I can see that you've lived on mission, like in your, in the place where you've lived. Um, I can see that like you care enough about your city to put up with the crap that it takes to live there, you know, like in terms of coming up with money, like that's, that's a way better residency than, you know, come on in, preach a few times, raise money, and then walk out with 50 people, you know, like that, that doesn't prepare you. So I'm, I'm excited to hear kind of how that has worked out. Um, Russell, I'd love to hear from you about uh, wh- how did you structure it? How did you do the work to prepare for the residency? And then how did you formalize the training pieces for Jake? Yeah, yeah, great question. And I think just the, it fits in my mind with where we just were in the conversation because it isn't simple as far as like building something like this inside of an existing church start or any church, I think, because like you said, we're, you know, as leaders in the local church, most of us are vocational, meaning we're full-time in that thing. And a lot of energy goes into keeping things going like Sunday mornings or like our small group ministry or our subsidiary ministries of youth or whatever we've got going on or building campaigns or remodels or whatever, whatever our world is. And so it's really difficult, Bobby, to like shape something that makes sense inside of the local church and the back to sources of pain for me, like this is structural pain, but it's not, it's not fruit pain. It's, it's the pain of, is there a better way for us? And we have so much freedom in this. We don't, we don't have to be locked into structuring our 40 hour, 50 hour work week as vocational leaders, the way we were told to do it or the way that, you know, looks like we ought to do it. So it started for us, like we've got um, inside of church of the city, basically three different stations that people can come into um in our training uh, kind of world and they're not rocket science ones we have the space for an intern we have the space for an apprentice and we have the space for a resident an intern to be someone who's like hey i might be interested in church planting and i want to spend three or six months you know with a, with a church start and i just want to like get in and see it and so we use um the concept of exposure all we're trying to do is expose you to things we're not trying to get a ton out of you we're not trying to actually get a free employee out of you what we really want is we want to give you, again, a look under the hood, at the mess of the church start, and you just get to see it all. An apprentice is where Jake and Madison came along for us. You're more serious about this. You're pretty confident you want to plant. You may not know where or when or how you want to do it, but you need time. And this really fits for us, like for emerging leaders. So like you can't see Jake and Madison, but they're in their late 20s. And so in our late 20s, I think we're in this development stage where we're really ambitious but there's experience that still needs to be had. And so embedding these emerging leaders into places where they can grow for a few years, so it's safe, but also where they're getting exposure and experience. That's the next thing we're adding is experience to that particular um, space of life and some practice. We're trying to get them a chance to like, okay, now go functionally work with these things that we're trying to give you. 
But here's where I think it diverged for us. Um, because everyone on our staff team is bivocational at our church, we didn't have you know, a 40 hour office work week for them to come sit and do like copies or cut bulletins or something, which wouldn't have really helped in the first place. So the best we thought the best thing we could do to invest into our apprentices is to take them with us wherever we went. And so Jake and I, I mean, we just got really, you get really good in this at sipping a cup of coffee slow, sipping a pint slow, eating a meal slow with other people. And the majority of the exposure and experience that I think that we could offer as a church start is helping um, a leader like Jake and Madison recognize the most important work we do is to connect with people as people who are deeply already abiding in Christ or those who are just like, I don't know if there is a God and I don't care. And so we just like our calendars are full of time with people and taking taking our apprentices along the way with us. Then in the in-between times, we're writing sermons, writing sermons at pubs at, after we've met with someone, we're doing it in teams. So like we had to restructure our whole teaching idea. We don't, I, I'm the lead teaching pastor at our church. And right now I only teach half of all the Sundays, um, but we're building a team of people and we work in team through the whole process every week, no matter who's teaching that week. And our apprentice gets a part of that. So there's a lot there, but we just come be a part of the inside workings of what we do. And then for us, the next stage is residency. And residency is someone who not only knows they want to plant, they know where, they know when. And so we can kind of sculpt this master's level seven to nine month window of time where for, for us, we do two things. We in include a pretty rigorous academic component to it. And they're embedded now with a leader or a set of leaders at a church that they're getting more practical experience for the areas where we've watched them and said, man, there's a lot you still need to grow in. How do we help equip you for that? So that's kind of the development for us on how the structure of it looks. So for, uh, that's awesome. Thank you. Thanks for sharing kind of behind, you know, under the hood there, but for Jake, let's get real for you. What would you say? Okay. I went through all of this stuff these were the things I saw a lot of value in. These were the, these were the things that were part of the res. It could be stuff Russell already mentioned, or it could be like, you know, like actually it was these small, these small details or these, you know, what were the aspects of the apprenticeship and the residency both that you would, you would say, and if you're going to do a residency at a church, you're going to, you're going to lead one or you're going to be a part of one and don't skip out on these things. Yeah. That's a great question, man. Uh, I think that word exposure that Russell keeps saying that that's that's the name of the game for apprenticeship and residency because there's just there's a difference between reading about something uh, talking about it in seminary and then doing it and stumbling your way through and feeling like that did not go the way that I had imagined it going and having someone to look up to as a mentor to say Hey, what, what do you think went wrong there? How could I, how could I do that better? And so some of the things that I, I think were most beneficial for us um, were just like being handed the keys to the car and like driving it a little hesitantly and then feeling a little bit more confident and a little bit more confident. So I think about uh, at Church of the City, gospel communities are a big part of, of Church of the City's rhythm. Um, there are small groups that meet throughout uh, the neighborhoods of Portland. And so uh, Russell had kind of talked to me about this idea of a, a four-phase model for a lot of what our apprenticeship and residency would be. To start, I would watch him do something and just take notes and observe. 
then he would do it and I would kind of come along and help a little bit. Then I would do it while he kind of was on the back burner helping me. And then I would do it by myself. And that goes from leading a gospel community where we were just a part of Russell and Emily's gospel community. And then we would help kind of guide the conversation a little bit. And then we start to lead the conversation. And then we eventually kind of multiplied that out and started our own gospel community. And the cool thing is like that right there is already teaching us a rhythm of multiplication. Some of those people are actually helping us start um, Kynos and we're then going to be multiplying them to start new house churches. So it's cool how much doing that and kind of uh, slowly fumbling your way through it, feeling like, you know, you're, you're learning by, by trial, you're learning in the fire. It it really, I think um, it produces a, uh, Bobby used the word earlier, a, a grit and a tenacity a little bit to just, to keep trying, to keep, uh, to keep going. I think I could say the same about teaching on a Sunday morning. Um, you know, I, I watched Russell, I got to sit in uh, him and some of our other leaders having conversations about sermons. Then uh, we co-taught where he kind of led and I, you know, chipped in some thoughts. He'd ask me a question here or there. Then we actually flipped that where I was leading it, asking him some questions. And then I led one by myself. And that even shaped the way Church of the City, I think in some ways we've did our sermons even ongoingly throughout COVID, throughout the pandemic, we did actually a majority of co-teaching and team teaching. And that's then what we're kind of trying to take with us to, towards Kynos. And so I would hope, uh, maybe I'll have to ask this to Russell, but I would hope that also some of their um, uh, willingness to take us on as residents, not only did it shape us as a community, but I, I think that it probably shaped Church of the City in a way of just being able to, as they're trying new things with us and trying to teach us, I think that they found some, some really awesome rhythms for Church of the City as well that maybe wouldn't have been tried if it hadn't been for taking on, <laughs> taking on some pesky residents. So, yeah. That's no, awesome. Hey, we got time for um, maybe one. <laughs> uh, all you guys are doing is just, you know, doing apprenticeship in the way of Jesus. It sounds, you know, real radical stuff. He gives you access. He teaches you what he's learned about Jesus. And then you do it. Who thought that that would be the way that we should do this thing? (laughs) Crazy, right? (laughs) Bobby, I think that that's so spot on. And the question then in my mind is why do we busy ourselves in vocational leadership in the church with anything other than this? And I think one fear I've had along the way has been like, am I going to mess somebody up or am I going to let, am I going to, will they see my failures in a way that shapes their view of me? So like one thing I would offer anyone thinking about doing a residency, whether hosting one or being part of one is if you're going to, if you can figure this out as like becoming a resident, will they give you access into the inner workings of their life as leaders? they're going to be just fine. But if it is, hey, sit in the office, you know, four, four hallways away from the person you're supposed to be learning from and do some busy work, find something else to do with your life. Um, and same with us as leaders. Like if you're going to host one and you're going to stick someone in a closet somewhere, just, just don't. It's not, it, you're, hire them if you want. Hire them to do that work. But don't call it an internship or apprenticeship or residency. But if you're going to will it, take them into your house, let them sit in the meetings that are hard, the ones where they really have no business being, but they'll watch you stumble and stammer your way forward and trying to figure out how to love and lead people. If you're willing to do that, then the outcome's going to be just fine because you're spot on, Bobby. This is Jesus 101 apprenticeship stuff. And and I can't imagine this residency without 
have had, having had a window into um, all the different parts of who Russell is and his leadership with Church of the City, because seeing him hurt after a hard conversation with someone in our church, seeing him feel a little disappointed in the way something went, it shifted my mindset of who a pastor is supposed to be and who even my pastor was from this kind of perfect, you know, leader that, uh, you know, maintaining that kind of uh, reputation, I think is unhealthy for, for a lot of our leaders in the first place. We have this kind of 24 hour job where we always have to look polished. We have to craft the right thing on social media, craft the right sermon, craft the right discussion for our small group. And you're just maintaining this, this kind of idea that you are, this perfect person. And I think every pastor would say, obviously we're, we're not perfect people. We're, we're trying to follow the only perfect person. Uh, we're trying to follow Jesus. But um, if we don't allow others to see uh, our failures and our, our disappointments and just the average ho-hum days where you meet with five people and four of them may not come back to your church because they got other things to do. But one of those conversations really lands and plants a seed and starts to develop in someone's heart. Um, I think it's so much easier to give up uh, when you see this perfect leader and then you try to do leadership and a, a year and a half in, it is hard. I think it would have been so much easier to quit if we hadn't seen the hard, nitty gritty, difficult parts of church leadership and church planting. And I think because we got to see those pieces through Russell, through the leadership of Church of the City, I think it gave us so much more of a realistic picture, a healthier picture of the ho-hum days, the really hard days, and also the really beautiful parts as well. But you have to, you have to allow someone, I think, to experience the gamut of those different experiences. If Russell had hidden those more difficult parts from us, I don't know where we would be at right now. So I, I really am grateful that we got to experience all of that. Awesome. Well, we're coming up on time here and just want to say thank you. Uh, to both of you, Russell Clum, Church of the City, Portland, and uh, Jake from Kynos Church. If you're in the Portland area, I would just encourage you. Uh, those are two great uh, communities where you're going to grow closer to Jesus, and you're going to be able to experience the love of God in community. Uh, so thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, both for joining us today. Yeah, yeah. So good to be with you. Thanks. Thanks, yeah, th thanks for coming out, guys. I'm excited to see what God does through you. And I'd love to hear more. So let's let's do a follow-up conversation about what's next for you, Russell, next residency, and then Jake, you know, how you're going to build residency into what's next. It's exciting. Thanks for listening to the City Network Podcast. If you have any comments or questions, join the discussion on our Facebook group at thecitynetwork.org slash group. Or sign up at the website to subscribe to updates from our blog and podcast.